You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Yes, hi, I'm Kristen and I am one of the pastors here. I serve in our group's ministry. We had an epic day at Beautiful Conference. If you were there, you know, Um, but we are not done. We had so much amazing ministry and heard from speakers that challenged us and inspired us and really helped us take a step towards Jesus. And we are not done. Today we have Hosanna Wong with us. And Hosanna, yes, you can clap for that. Hosanna is like family at Grace Family. She's been at our conference in the past. She has been a blessing to us. She has a powerful story and she has an incredible message for us today. So would you join me in welcoming Hosanna? Hey, Grace Family Church, I'm so blessed to be with you today. The first time I was here with this family was 2019, and I gotta be here with your women this week. But if we've never met before, I just wanna introduce myself. My name is Hosanna Wong. Um, Some of you might have been raised in church and might be familiar with the name Hosanna. Some of us grew up singing songs like Hosanna in the highest. So some of you might hear that someone's here named Hosanna Wong and be like, okay. Hosanna Wong, maybe like a Chinese worship leader is here to sing some tunes. Something between Lauren Daigle and Mulan is about to happen right now. That's not what's gonna happen right now. Singing was not my upbringing, but I did grow up on the streets of San Francisco. Um, Some of you are football fans and you heard San Francisco and you're like, oh man, they brought in a 49ers speaker this weekend. I am, but I come in peace. Just want you to know. I grew up on the streets of San Francisco. My dad battled a heroin addiction for 15 years. He fought in a gang. He had bullet holes alongside his calves from the last time he ran from the police, from the last time he robbed someplace. And someone introduced him to Jesus and Jesus changed his whole life. And my dad ended up starting an outreach to those living without homes and battling with addiction on the streets of San Francisco. And that's where I grew up. We had outdoor services with all of our friends on the streets two to three days a week. People brought their alcohol bottles. People brought their needles. That's how I learned church. I learned later in life when other people said they were also raised in church. We were not talking about the exact same thing. But that's where I learned that Jesus could save anyone's soul and redeem anyone's story and would use anyone who would say yes. So that's why I love Grace Family Church so much, just real people who wanna know God for real and love people for real. So would you join me in thanking and honoring our pastors, our staff, and all of our campuses, our volunteers. Thank you for who you are. I love this church with all my heart. I'm your Chinese sister from San Francisco, so I'm just happy to be with family. Today, I wanna talk about the battles that you and I are fighting. The battles that you're fighting that perhaps nobody else even knows that you're fighting. The battles that perhaps you've been fighting for a long time and you're tired and exhausted. Or perhaps they are new battles, battles you never imagined you would have to fight. 
I think I've always been a fighter. I think it might be because of how I was raised. I saw some things I was too young to see on the streets growing up. I lost some things I was not meant to lose. But I think even if you and I had a different background or we have a different upbringing, I think you might be able to relate to seeing things that you were too young to see or hearing lies about yourself that you were not meant to hear, perhaps having to grow up too fast. You might also be able to relate in saying, yes, life experiences have made me somewhat of a fighter. We wanna fight for the people we love. We wanna fight against injustice. We wanna fight against the things that hurt people or hold people back. We wanna fight for the underdogs. We wanna fight for those that other people overlook. Some of us might say, yes, life experiences, they've made me a fighter. This side of myself came out in somewhat of a silly way when I was 19 years old. I was in college, but I drove seven hours into my hometown to take my baby brother Elijah out to dinner. And the whole reason why I was even in town on this particular day is because one year before, our dad, our hero, got cancer and he had passed away. And I had promised my dad that I would look out for Elijah. Elijah had not given his life to Jesus yet, and I promised my dad that I would spend my life fighting for Elijah. And on this particular day, it was Elijah's 13th birthday. So I was coming into town to make sure he felt seen and known and loved and took him out to dinner with all of his friends. Well, we had about an hour before it was time for dinner, so we're walking around my old hood trying to find something to do when I see a sign that says $5 haircuts. And I thought, this sounds like a good idea. And it was not. I should also mention that at the time I had bright red hair, um, clearly because I was going through a breakup. Ladies, can you attest? This is what we do when we go through a breakup. We either dye our hair or we get bangs. You're laughing because you know. I don't make the rules. So I walked in with bright red hair and then I walked out with a bright red mullet. I said, Elijah, this is now an emergency. Get in the car, we're going to Sally Beauty Supply Store to get some hair extensions, fast. So he gets into the car, we drive to Sally Beauty Supply Store, we're jogging to the front of the door when a man starts walking towards us, saying some mean words about my appearance, some nasty words, some words that perhaps my baby brother had not heard before. And also, I might have been like half saved at this point in my life too, okay? Now I'm going through a breakup, a bad hair day. This was not the ideal time for the fighter side of me to come out. And the man that's saying all these words, he's walking towards me and I turned and I looked at him and I said, what'd you say about me? Get closer and say it to my face. And he did, <laughs> which was not my plan. So now he's walking towards me saying meaner words, louder words, and I'm getting all bold and I'm ready to walk towards him and say some mean words too. I know some nasty words too. So I'm like forming a speech in my head of all the things I'm gonna say to tear him down too. So we're getting closer to each other and we're face to face in the middle of this parking lot. And I look at him and I said, you don't know me. You don't know one thing about me. I, and before I was able to give him the speech I had ready, I saw my baby brother, Elijah, on the side, mortified. And in that moment, I remembered what I was actually in town for. In that moment, I remembered the battle I was actually there to fight. 
But now I'm kind of in a sticky situation because I just told this man, I'm gonna tell you who I am. And I'm thinking, man, my dad would want me to make this some kind of teaching moment. Like, how can you make this about God? Where are those WWJD bracelets when you need them? And so this was my best plan in the moment. I'm mid screaming, you don't know one thing about me. I, I turn to my side, pivot the plan. What would Jesus do? I, I'm a child of God. That's right, that's right, walk away, walk away. And let me tell you, he did walk away because I am pretty sure that was the scariest thing I could have said to this man. I imagine him just jogging to the bus stop like, man, this hood is getting crazier. Little girls shouting about God, get me out of here. But I had somewhere to be. I had to take my baby brother out to dinner and I needed some hair extensions fast. Some of us are fighters. Some of you are hearing that story and you're thinking, Hosanna, you should have been bold. You should have told that man off. And you would be some dangerous friends for me to have. I don't know if I was raised in the hood or raised in the 90s, but I've got some Jenny from the block in me. I don't need none of you taking off your earrings and say, girl, whatever parking lot, let's go. I had the opportunity to turn my back on my little brother and the battle I was actually there for and choose instead to fight against this man. Let me tell you, some of us are fighters and that is a good thing because there are battles that we have been called to fight. But we don't wanna be people who are out there boldly fighting the wrong battles. The enemy of our souls hopes that we are too busy fighting the wrong battles, that we don't have the time or the energy to be the sister, to be the brother, to be the father, to be the mother, to be the coach, to be the voice of encouragement, to be the light in your workplace or the light in your school. The enemy of our souls hopes that we are too distracted fighting lesser battles, that we don't have the time to fight the battles we've actually been called to fight. But instead, you and I can say today, I wanna reclaim my focus because yes, I am a fighter, but I only wanna fight the battles God has called me to fight. I wanna unpack for you a story that I grew up reading, that I grew up hearing about, but it wasn't until this past season of my life when I saw something in it that I used to miss. It's the story of David and Goliath. Do you know it? It's a good one, right? ESPN knows this story. If you're a fellow sports fan, you know. They'll say this, right? They'll say the underdog team, David, took down the powerhouse team, the Goliath. It's a good one. We love it. But did you know that before David walked onto the battlefield he was called to fight, he was stopped by his brother and he had an opportunity to fight a lesser battle. I wanna unpack for you a passage about how David had the opportunity to miss the battle he was called to fight and how you and I can miss the battles we're called to fight too, but we don't have to. Let's go back to this story. Here's the scene. We're at war. We've been at war for a long time. It's a whole thing. We have the good guys, the Israelites, they're God's people, we want them to win. Then we have the bad guys, the Philistines, we want them to lose. Just imagine like the worst people you've ever met. 
Like just imagine Kansas City Chiefs fans. <laughs> just like the worst, the worst. Clearly we want them to lose. David is not even a soldier, his brothers are. He's at home with his dad. His dad says, go bring your brothers some food. So he's just bringing his brothers food when he gets to the battlefield and he realizes nobody's fighting. So he has some reasonable questions. Why is nobody fighting? Who's gonna fight? Aren't we God's people? I'll fight Goliath. What's the reward for the person who's gonna take Goliath down? And on his way to fight the battle, God called him to fight. He was stopped by his brother, Eliab. And Eliab had some mean words for David, some nasty words, some words that perhaps David had not heard before. And we're gonna unpack what Eliab said to David and how it had the power to distract him from fighting the right battle and how you and I can learn from David and make sure we don't miss the battles we're called to fight. We're in 1 Samuel 17, 28. David's on his way to fight Goliath. His brother stops him and Eliab says this, why have you come down here? Who is watching your tiny flock in the wilderness? I am your brother and I know you. You're arrogant and your heart is evil. You've come to watch the battle as if it were just entertainment. I propose that within Eliab's demeaning declaration to David, there are four lies. Four lies that Eliab is saying to David that had the potential to distract him, to discourage him. And I wonder if these are lies that you have heard at any point in your life as well. I'm gonna unpack these four lies, but I just want you to know from up top, I have heard and believed and been distracted by all of these lies at some point in my life. And they have acted like a ceiling over my life, stopping me from living the full life I've been created to live. As we unpack these four lies, I wonder if there's one that perhaps you've heard that perhaps has ever distracted you from being who you really are and fighting the battle you've been called to fight. The first lie Eliab says to David is that you are not enough. Eliab says, why have you come down here? He's saying, who do you think you are that you and your insignificant self can come and fight the battle only significant people are called to fight? Who do you think you are that you could leave an impact? Who do you think you are that you could come and do something important? You're not enough. Have you ever heard the lie that you're not enough? That you're lesser than other people? That you don't have value in your life? I have believed this lie most of my life. I believed the lie growing up that I was not enough because I thought my family was not enough. My dad was not enough. My dad had a different background than a lot of my friends' parents' backgrounds. I believe that my church was not enough. Our church on the streets was different than a lot of my friends' churches. I constantly felt like I wasn't churchy enough for church people, and I was too churchy for unchurched people. I constantly felt like I had to change myself everywhere because I couldn't find people that resonated with me. I was the only Chinese girl in my class. I had less money than everyone else in my class and I was constantly trying to change who I was and change what I liked and change what I looked like, hoping that I could shape shift myself into some kind of mold so that I could just be accepted. But then as I got older, this lie continued into my adult life and I thought I had to change who I was to be effective. In fact, years ago when I started traveling 
and teaching at churches and events, there were people in my life who I think loved me and wanted to support me, but maybe were a little bit misinformed. And they said, we think your background is gonna stand in the way of you being effective in the places and spaces you're called to. Don't talk about your heritage. Don't talk about your dad. Don't talk about your ministry on the streets. And I think that will set you up for success. And I believed them and I agreed with them. I believed the lie that I had to water down where I'm really from, water down who I really am in order to be accepted and effective in the places and spaces I felt called to. Have you ever heard the lie that you're not enough? Like you have to water down your details, your real background, what you've really been through, where you're from, what you've overcome, your real questions. Have you ever felt like you're not enough and you have to change who you are in order to be loved or effective in the places you thought would be the safest place for you? I want you to know what I wish I would have known all those years ago. The enemy of our souls hopes that we believe all of these lies. He hopes that we believe that we're not enough, that we're unworthy, that we're unloved because he knows that what you think about yourself determines how you live. So of course the enemy of your soul doesn't want you to know how loved you are by God, how chosen you are by God, how created you are with a purpose and safe in the hands of God. Of course he doesn't want you to know who you really are. He can't risk you living the life you've been called to live. And the enemy knows who you really are. He's on this whole mission to make sure you don't find out too because he knows that if you discovered who you really are, you would start living as who you really are. Children of God, discovering who we are and living like it is the enemy's greatest threat. If you've ever been told that you're not enough the way that you are, I want you to know that you are more than you've been told. And it is actually your background and where you're from and what you've overcome. It is actually your exact details that God wants to use for this exact moment in time. The second lie that Iliab says to David is that you're not doing enough. This is the second lie. He says to him, why have you come down here? Who is watching your tiny flock in the wilderness? Here, Eliab is teasing David. He's saying, how's that small thing that you do at home that nobody sees and nobody cares about while we're all doing the important stuff that everybody sees and everybody cares about? How's that tiny flock in the wilderness? You don't do enough because you don't do as much as we do. Have you ever heard the lie that you're not doing enough? The enemy of our souls hopes that we believe the lie that even though we're doing all we can for our families and all we can in our marriages and all we can for our kids and our parents and our communities and our own souls, the enemy of our soul hopes we believe the lie that we're not doing enough so we hurt ourselves trying to prove ourselves but I want you to know the truth. You don't need the applause of man to have the approval of God. When you are faithful in the places and spaces God has put you, nobody else needs to see it. God sees it. Keep being faithful. The third lie Eliab says to David is this. He says, I am your brother and I know you. This is the third lie. This is the lie that someone else can define you. Have you ever had someone say to you, man, I know the real you because I went to high school with you. <laughs> Amen. I pray every Sunday that no one from my high school shows up to church. 
Or have you ever heard this? Don't talk to me about this God stuff or this church stuff. I know who you were before. I saw how you used to live. I used to lend you money. I used to pick you up from off the floor. This is all fake. You're a fraud. Some of us have Iliabs in our lives, people who take the power from us, talk down to us, and tell us our value. But some of us don't have Iliabs who took the power. Some of us have given it away. And we give the power to other people when we obsess about what other people think about us. When we're constantly thinking about and talking about what other people are saying about us. When we're willing to change who we are and lie about who we are in order to be accepted by other people. We cannot keep going to other people to tell us who we are who have no idea who they are. We need to stop spending time trying to prove ourselves to other people or impress other people. People who have no power to define us. No one has the power to define you but the one who created you. And then here's the fourth thing Iliab says. This part's a little different. This part's a little different. This part's a little tricky. Iliab says to David, I'm your brother and I know you. And then he starts listing things he knows about him. He says, you're arrogant. Your heart is evil. You've come to watch the battle as if it were just entertainment. Here Iliab is making a list of things that David has done wrong. And it would be very easy to say, well, that's a lie too. David has never done anything wrong. David is perfect. But that's not true. And throughout David's life, we will see that's not true. But in this specific story, David is a teenager. So I'm gonna say, it's possible that his brother, who has grown up with him, has seen his brother maybe have some arrogant moments, maybe do some things to annoy his brothers. It's possible that what Iliab is saying is true. The lie is not that David had ever done anything wrong. The lie was that because of something David once did before this moment, it disqualified him from being used by God in this moment. And this is the fourth lie. This is the lie that your past disqualifies you. The enemy of our souls hopes that we believe the lie that because of something we did in the past, it forever disqualifies us from being used by God in the future. And you know what? It may be true. There may have been some better choices you could have made. That is half the truth. The full truth is that because of a choice that Jesus once made to come and be with us, to die for us, to forgive us of our sins. Once you give your life to Jesus and you surrender that thing and you turn away from that thing, Jesus covers you and he forgives you. But some of us here are still holding on to guilt that we don't have to anymore. And we are still holding on to shame from things we did a long time ago and we don't have to anymore. And for some of us, it's time to surrender that thing that we did at the feet of Jesus. Receive his grace and start to live as the healed and forgiven child of God that we really are. Have you ever heard the lie that you're not enough, that you're not doing enough? 
that someone else can define you or that your past disqualifies you. David heard all of these lies and instead of being distracted by them or discouraged by them or trying to prove himself to the person who accused him, he had a different response. And I want you to know, it was so much holier than Hosanna from the block shouting at a stranger in a beauty supply store parking lot. Praise God, the word of the Lord. First Samuel 17, 29, 30, here's David's response. Now what have I done? Said David, can't I even speak? He then turned away. We know how this story goes. ESPN knows how this story goes. David goes to the king, he says, put me in coach, and then he does. And then he goes onto the battlefield he was actually called to, and he took that threat to God's people down. Friends, it is a good thing that David did not stop to instead fight his brother. It's a good thing that David did not turn his back on the battle he was actually called to fight on and say, you know what, instead I'm gonna spend my day fighting you, Eliab, because you hurt my feelings, you bruised my ego, you embarrassed me, now I'm gonna spend my day trying to prove myself to you. What if David just spent his whole day trying to prove other people wrong? He wouldn't have had any time to do what God called him to do. Let me tell you, if you spend your life trying to prove to people that you can do everything, you might miss the specific thing that God is calling you to do. David could have turned his back on the battlefield and fought Eliab instead. And let me tell you, this is how the enemy loves to do it sometimes. He loves to put brother against brother and sister against sister and Christ follower against Christ follower. So we are too busy fighting each other that we don't have the time or the energy to fight the battles God has actually called us to fight. But there are real giants in our world, real threats to God's people. There's people in our own lives that still don't know how much God loves them. There's giants in our own homes. There's giants in our own families. There's giants of anxiety, of fear, of shame, of heartbreak. Who's gonna take the real giants down? It's not gonna be those of us who are distracted fighting lesser battles. But instead, you and I can choose to say today, I'm gonna reclaim my focus. I am a fighter, but I don't want the enemy to have any victory over my time or my energy. I only wanna fight the battles that God has called me to fight. And if that's you today, if you're here today and you're thinking, I'm in, I also just wanna fight the battles God has called me to fight. But how do I know which ones those are? That is a good question, the right question. This is how. Not how you will know what someone else is called to do or the person next to you or what I'm called to do but for you and what God has called you to do. You will know what battles to fight when you first and foremost fight to spend real time with God. 
Make spending time with God the greatest fight of your life. I'm aware that this sounds a bit simple. But in our actual world that you and I are living in, this is not simple. Everything in our world and everything in your specific world is fighting against you having real time alone with God. It's almost as if the enemy knows that we could be distracted and we could be discouraged and we could miss the battles God has called us to fight. The enemy of your soul hopes that you are too distracted, that you don't fight to spend real time in God's word because he knows that if you fought to spend time in God's word, you would discover what your creator says about you. And when you know who you are, it changes how you live. The enemy of your soul hopes that you're too distracted, that you don't fight to spend time in prayer. Because the enemy knows if you fought to spend time with God, the one who made you, God would start to direct your thoughts and then he would direct your steps, and then he would refresh your soul. The enemy knows how powerful it will be for you and your life. If you thought to spend real time with God, of course the enemy doesn't want you to spend any time talking to him. The enemy of your soul hopes that you're too distracted, that you don't fight to spend time to rest. He hopes that you believe the lie that you have to do more, or produce more, or carry more, or hustle harder in order to be valuable. He doesn't want you to fight to spend time to rest because then you would know that you are already loved even before you do one thing. The enemy of your soul hopes that you're too distracted, that you don't fight to spend time in real community. And look, we're all doing that now. We fought to be in real community. We're doing this today. He knows that we were made for community. So as we fight to spend real time with God's people, we become more of who we really are and we start to live the lives we've been created to live. The enemy of our soul hopes that we are too distracted, that we are not fighting to spend real time with God. But it's not just negative things that distract us. It's not just hurtful words that distract us. Sometimes it is good things that can distract us from doing what we've been called to do. I wanna share with you one story of Jesus who had a lot of opportunities to fight a lot of battles. I wanna share with you how Jesus did this. Here's the scene, Jesus is walking around, being Jesus, healing people, and he's walking around, so all these people, like many of us, a lot of people had ideas of what he should do next. A lot of people had ideas of what he should do with his time. They wanted him to fight the battle in this city, then fight the battle with these people, then fight the battle here, and then Jesus does this. We're in Mark 1, 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus knew what battle to fight next because he first fought to spend real time with God. 
there will be a lot of options for you. There will be a lot of good battles that you could fight. But when we fight to spend real time with God, we will discover who we really are and what God is calling us to do. I want you to know that the fight for your life might look like fighting for your schedule. Looking at your real life, not the schedule you had 10 years ago, not the schedule you hope to one day have, but your real life today and saying, how will I fight to spend real time with God? How will I spend time engaging in God's word? How will I spend time praying? How will I spend time resting? How will I spend time in real community? The fight for your life is not just something hypothetical and theoretical, spiritual and over your head. No, practically, you need to fight for your focus by fighting for your schedule. Because the truth, you will know who you really are when you spend real time with the one who knows you the best. I wanna share with you a time in my life when I started fighting the wrong battles. There was a season in my life, my husband would tell you that it was the hardest season of our marriage. We had so much loss. Physical loss, relational loss, financial loss. The things people said, the people we thought would stay didn't. The people we thought would defend us didn't. And so I lost who I was. I started fighting all the wrong battles. And the fight for my life came by fighting for my schedule. It wasn't public, it wasn't cute. It was me alone on our hand-me-down couch in our apartment fighting to spend time to actually pray and get real with God. Fighting to spend time to actually rest in my real life. Fighting for time in real community and then fighting to spend time in God's word to know what God actually said about me, trying to make God's voice the loudest voice in my life. And then I discovered God had some other names for me. So I started memorizing names that God called me, what he actually said about me. And I wanna remind you who you really are today too. If you've ever been told that you're not enough, that you're not doing enough, that someone else can define you or that your past disqualifies you, I wanna remind you who you really are. John 15, 15, he calls you his friend. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, he calls you chosen. Ephesians 2.10, he calls you his masterpiece. He calls you his art. He calls you handmade. He calls you purposed and fashioned for good things. 1 Corinthians 6.19, he calls your body a temple. He calls it the residence of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, he calls you his messenger to the world. Galatians 3.26, he calls you his child. Romans 5.8, he calls you greatly loved. John 8.36, he calls you free. Free indeed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he calls you brand new. And it's amazing how different these names are from the names we're used to listening to. When you know who you really are, it changes how you live and it changes the battles that you fight. 
I wanna pray for two groups of people today. I wanna pray for a group of people who's saying today, I want a new focus. I need a fresh breath, I need a new focus. I only wanna fight the battles God has called me to fight. And I wanna pray for a second group of people that's saying, I want a new life. I've never made the choice to follow Jesus for real. In my real life, I want a new life and I wanna give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. So here's what we're gonna do. In a second, wherever you are at every location, in a second, I'm gonna invite people who are saying, I want a new life to raise their hands and then keep your hands raised. And then I'm gonna invite everyone who's saying, I want a new focus, I want a fresh focus to join you in raising their hands too. And then I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and you're gonna repeat after me. It's gonna be a prayer to give your life to Jesus. But even if you've already given your life to Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to say the prayer with us. We're gonna add on to your faith and we're gonna say it together. So if you're here today and you're saying, I want a new life, I wanna follow Jesus for real. On the count of three, would you just shoot your hand up in the air and keep it up? One, two, three, hands in the air if you're giving your life to Jesus. I see you. I see you, sir. I see you, sir. I see you, family. I see you, friend. I see you, ma'am. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up and if you're here saying I want a new focus would you have your hand in the air too let's join them if you're saying I want a new focus keep your hands up and I'm gonna pray with you repeat after me everyone who's given their life to Jesus and has given your life today say Jesus I believe in you I believe you died and rose again you are my savior I turn away from my sin I turn away from my shame I want a new life. I want a new focus. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Hey, I'm gonna hand it to your campus pastors and they're gonna give you next steps. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.